Welcome to day three together of our seventh week of walking through First and Second Samuel. We happen to be at Second Samuel chapter seven today, and in this chapter, we learn what to do when God says no. What do you do when you have this great dream? When do you do when you when you want this great thing? And it's a godly thing. It's not an evil thing. It's not a selfish thing. It's a godly thing. And you ask God to do it and you seek for it to happen. It might be a relationship. It might be a ministry. It might be something for one of your kids. It might be something that uh, you've been dreaming of for a long time or the dream has been more recent in your life. But somehow you know that God has said no. He has allowed someone else to do it or he has said no to you doing it. What do you do when that happens? We learn what to do from David in this chapter. Let me share with you what happened. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Let's start in verse 1. Let me read for you what happened. When King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, go ahead and do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the Lord said to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, This is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? I have never lived in a house. From the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day, I've always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. Then down in verse eight, now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you've gone and I've destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who ever lived on the earth, and I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past, starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. So Nathan went back to David, and he told him everything the Lord had said in this vision. So God clearly says no to David. He says, you're not going to do it. Your son's going to do it. Solomon's going to be the one who's going to build the house for me, the temple for me. And he does become the one. As we walk through, we're going to find out he does become the one who builds this temple for God. What do you do? What do you do when God says no? This is one of David's great dreams to build a temple for God. He felt embarrassed that he lived in a palace, a fine palace, and God's ark was living in a tent. What do you do when God says no to something you want to do? What do you do when you look back on your life and you think, why did God say no there? Why didn't he allow me to do that? Four things that we learn from David. Number one, you remember that God is sovereign. Remember that God is sovereign. Verse 18, then King David went in and sat before the Lord and he prayed, who am I, O sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And now, sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty? Do you deal with everyone this way, O sovereign Lord? What more can I say to you? 
You know what your servant is really like, Sovereign Lord. Because of your promise and according to your will, you have done all these great things and have made them known to your servant. Now, you might have picked up as I read through that. David keeps saying, Sovereign Lord. He's reminding himself as he prays. In fact, seven times in this short prayer in this chapter, he says, Sovereign Lord. Sovereign means God's in charge. Sovereign means God gets to make the decisions. Now, David is reminding himself that because God is sovereign, God can be trusted. You may think, oh, wait wait a minute. It wasn't God who said no to me. It was people who said no to me. Isn't that different? In a way, it's not, because the truth of the matter is God is sovereign. And there is no person who can say no when God wants to say yes. There is no person who can say no when God wants to say yes. So God allowed that for some reason. And he didn't go around that for some reason. And he's allowed someone else to do it for some reason. I don't know the reasons why. I may never, you may never know the reasons why. But I do know that the sovereign Lord has allowed it. And David reminds himself, I'm not sovereign. I'm not in charge. God's in charge. When God says no, one of the things you remind yourself is he's the sovereign Lord. He's the one who's in charge. And as you remind yourself of that, you're not just saying he's the one who's in control. You're saying he is the one who can be trusted. You remind yourself that God is sovereign. Second thing you do is you remember that you are God's servant. You might have noticed in the beginning of the prayer I just read, David kept saying, God, you are sovereign, I am servant. I am servant, you are sovereign. You are sovereign, I am servant. It's just like ping pong going back and forth, back and forth between sovereign and servant. Those are the two words you hang on to when God says no. In verse 25, he prays, and now, O Lord God, I am your servant. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family. Confirm it as a promise that will last forever. God's not serving us. He's not there to meet our needs and fulfill our dreams. We're serving him. And by the way, as we serve him, it does meet our needs. It does fulfill our dreams. But if you get those things out of order, if you think God is serving you to meet your needs and fulfill your dreams instead of realizing you serve him, and as you serve him, it does meet your needs. It does fulfill deeper dreams than you ever realized you have. You get those out of order, all of life gets messed up. God, you are sovereign. God, I am your servant. Third thing that David teaches us is you praise God. You praise God for who he is. You praise God for what he's done. You praise God for what he's doing. Listen in verse 22, how great you are, O sovereign Lord. There's no one like you. We have never, ever heard of another God like you. What other nation on earth is like your people Israel? What other nation, O God, have you redeemed from slavery to be your own people? You made a great name for yourself when you redeemed your people from Egypt. You performed awesome miracles and drove out the nations and gods that stood in their way. You made Israel your very own people forever. And you, O God, you, O Lord, became their God. David prays and he says, there's no one like you. So when God says no, don't forget that. There's no one like God. There's nowhere else to turn. David reminds himself, we're redeemed from slavery. When God says no, don't forget that. He's met the number one need in your life. Now, for them, it was slavery from Egypt. For us, through the death of Jesus, it's slavery to sin. He is redeemed. He set us free from sin to be able to live in his presence forever. We are made your own people forever. Don't forget that. Don't forget eternity when God says no. Keep your eyes on forever. 
forever. You'll notice several times in this prayer, God brings David back and David's brought back to this idea of what God's doing in forever, not just in now. When God says no, we want to focus on the now, but when God says no, we need to get our eyes on the forever, on God and who he is. One of the ways to do that, obviously, is to praise. You praise God for who he is, what he's done, what he's doing. And then the fourth thing you do, this may seem obvious, but it's one of the hardest to do, is you focus on what God has said yes to. Now, that's hard for us. When we hear a no, all we can remember is the no. All we can focus on is the no. From when we're little kids, there are going to be 50 toys to play with, but one crystal vase up on a shelf, no, don't touch that. A little kid goes for that crystal vase first of all. Why would they want the crystal vase? They can't play with it because it's a no. We tend to focus on the no in life. But instead, by faith, you choose to focus on what God has said yes to. Verse 27, O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, I've been bold enough to pray this prayer to you because you have revealed all this to your servants, saying, I will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For you are God, O sovereign Lord. Your words are truth, and you have promised these good things to your servant. And now may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. For you have spoken. And when you grant a blessing to your servant, O sovereign Lord, it is an eternal blessing. So David turns his eyes from the no that God said, the no about building the temple, to the yes that God said, the yes about building his family, building his dynasty, building his kingdom in ways that he could not see. And you and I need to do the same thing. When God has said no, it's easy to get stuck on the no. But you turn your eyes from the no and you focus instead on where has God said yes? Where has God used you? Where is God using you? What prayer can you pray? What person can you share with? Where is God saying yes? Now, God does not tell David why he's saying no here. Later, he's going to tell him it's because he doesn't want a warrior building his house, but a king of peace. But for a time, the answer is no, and David doesn't know why. Now, as I look at life, some of the things that God has said no to in my life, I still don't know why he said no. And if I had to go back and rewind, I would have said yes. I still think it might have been better to say yes, but I trust him. I trust him. I probably never will know why God said no to certain things, but I do know I can trust God. And if he said no, there was a reason. There was something I would have gotten into that I didn't know I would have gotten into that would have taken me away from his will. Or there's something I would not have done that was his will because I was doing that thing. I don't know. I, I could drive myself crazy trying to figure it out, but I don't have to try to figure it out because I can trust him and I can focus on what he said yes to in my life. As we pray today, just take a moment to pray together. Just give the no's in your life to God. The times when he said no, maybe for the first time, say, God, I don't understand why, but I do recognize that you are sovereign. And I do realize I am your servant. And I praise you for who you are. I praise you for what you're doing. And Lord, I want to be the kind of person that focuses on what you've said yes to, that spends the rest of my life living in your yes rather than worried about the no that came into my life. That's where I want to live, Lord. So I ask that you'd help me to live there by the grace and power of Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. Tomorrow, we're going to look together at the compassion of David. <laughs>